Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody out on this beautiful fall day. Welcome to those joining us online. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. That was uh, wonderful, and we really appreciate it. We read right away in Genesis 1 what God created. And we read that God created male and female. He created them. Those are in verses 26 and 27 of Genesis 1. And I don't think anybody can argue against it that God made human beings the most complex of all his creations. If you dive into the human body, especially the anatomy, we are extremely complex. And here we are in 2022, and medical people are still discovering new things, still researching, still trying to figure out the extent of the complexity of this human body. And there's so many different ways we could, we could dive in um, and, and talk about the complexity of the human body. And we're just going to dive in uh, kind of, I'll say vaguely, into one body part here initially this morning. I'm not going to get too deep, too complex, uh, for your sake, but also for my sake, uh, because I'm no expert in this. Now, a little worse for wear. And I'm not sure how well you can see it. But this is the human knee. Obviously, without skin, without muscle, um, uh, and a lot of other things, but this is the core of the knee, the bones, okay? Now, it is made up of four bones, basically. You've got the femur, all right, your big bone at the top of your leg, the tibia down here, the fibula, and the kneecap, or otherwise known as the patella, all right? So those are the main bones that make up the knee, Between the femur and the tibia, on top of the tibia, called the tibia plateau, you've got a shock absorber. It's the meniscus or the cartilage. Because that joint moves, you need some cushion between the two bones. And so it absorbs shock as we walk. It gives uh, some cushion as we jump, as we leap, uh, all these type of things to protect the bones. Now, sometimes... Damage happens. And so this cartilage right here, it can tear. You can get a tear in it. And then uh, sometimes if it's really small, you can kind of manage and live through it. But a lot of times, a surgeon will have to go in through what they call a scope. They put a few little holes in the knee. They go in with instruments. They cut that torn piece of cartilage out. And then you're on the road to recovery because... Sometimes that little torn piece, if it's bad enough, it'll actually flip back on itself and it will lock the knee. And your knee will be locked and people can't walk, can't do much properly until that is removed and allowed some healing to occur. That creates swelling and 
uh, you know, with the tools going in and the cutting and stuff like that, and so there needs to be rehab. But once all that happens, range of motion is restored, the swelling is gone, and ideally, the knee returns back to normal function. Missing a small piece, but back to normal function. Now, in extreme cases, or with just wear and tear, this cartilage can be damaged beyond repair. And then the bones actually start rubbing on each other, they start wearing down, and that leads to what we know as a knee replacement surgery. And so chunks of the bone itself are actually cut out, artificial pieces uh, inserted, you know, very technically, which, you know, I cannot comment to in, uh, in any type of detail, again, to restore function back to the knee. The artificial pieces are not as good as the original, but it restores function, and ideally, the knee starts moving properly again. Now, that's some basic, basic details, and we haven't even talked about all the arteries in the knee, all the veins in the knee, the nerve supply, the capsules that go around, around the joint, the tendons that come in off the muscles for the function of, of the knee. Um, and I don't even know if, how many people are familiar with this, but the knee joint is not like a normal hinge joint like your finger. I mean, it kind of seems like it, but there's a special term what the knee does. It's called the screw home. And so when your knee fully extends, it actually gives a little rotation. So next time you, and maybe somebody's going to do it right now, just straighten your knee and put your hand on your knee, you'll actually, you'll actually feel that the knee does a little twist. It's called the screw home effect. Very, very unique for this incredible knee joint that God has made us with. But the knee joint, you know, uh, you know as, as we've described it, still can't exist and, and function on its own like that. It's got other parts it has to supply it. And again, I'm only scratching the surface here, but if the heart isn't pumping blood through those veins and arteries to the knee, then the knee has a problem. If the lungs aren't putting oxygen in that blood that goes to the knee, if the digestive system isn't breaking down nutrients and sending energy to those muscles to, to move the knee, and on and on we could, we could go. I mean, and let's not definitely forget the brain that has to send the messages through the nervous system to get all, this, uh, all the supporting things. Extremely complex, and I barely scratched the surface. But, needless to say, we need to move on, and I think you've got my point, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We quiet our hearts, we lift our souls. Lord, we think of some of the, uh, the recent devastation uh, out east, um, more recently in Florida and Cuba and that whole area. Lord, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that have just gone through some incredible um, natural disasters at your hand, Lord. And we think about our church body at large, those brothers and sisters that we don't even know. Maybe actually some of us do know people in those places. 
but we lift them up to you, Lord. We just, uh, we don't know all their needs. We don't know where they're at, but we trust you to meet their needs, to send in resources and, and other aid to just help those people, Lord. And ultimately, we hope that people through this would look to you, Lord, to look at your majestic hand in control of all this. Because what could really, really have happened if you weren't in control of those storms, guiding and only allowing a certain amount to actually happen because you are the great, the great I am. Lord, as we turn and open your word this morning, as we turn to uh, 1 Corinthians, through your spirit, Lord, would you please guide us? Would you please direct us? Speak to us through your word that uh, we may grow closer to you as a result of reading your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you, Al, for reading that this morning. And um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. And uh, depending on your Bible, you know, there's, there's, different, uh, there's different titles according to um, the Bible that you have. Mine entitles this uh, list of scriptures as one body, many parts. The human body, we read here right away in verse 12. The body is a unit. Through it, it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. Right away, as Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, okay, he is trying to encourage them. He's trying to guide them. He's trying to give them a mental picture of what the body of Christ is like. And so he turns to the human body to draw that parallel. And he wants them to really understand and and know that the body of Christ is a single unit, but it's made up of of many, many parts. And he uses the human body as a visual picture to teach them and guide them. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Verse 15 says, If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So Paul's using very metaphorical description here to bring home a point to the church at Corinth then and to us nowadays. He talks about how one part is not the most important part. You can't just grab one part of our human body and say, that's the be-all and end-all. Because as we talked about with the knee, as important as the knee is with this different function, it totally relies on other systems. And there's this whole unity of, of, of working together. 
And so if one part tries to elevate itself above the other parts, um, it, it doesn't work because the eye can't hear, the eye can't talk. Th- things like that is what he, what he wants us to, to, to know, and, well, more so probably remember that a body in whole is only created as a whole because of the many smaller parts that it's made up of. Verse 18, Paul writes, But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. There's no no mistake in how God created the human body. There's no mistake. He detailed, oriented, put all the parts exactly where they needed to be to work together to, to function all together and with the goal of being healthy. And, and this is the point that Paul is trying to really drive home with the church in Corinth, a fairly, a fairly new church, a fairly uh, affluent um, city, but there was some disunity starting already in the early church, and Paul's writing to them and saying, listen, Just like the human body, God has put all the parts in place. He's put the heart where it needs to be. He's put the lungs where they need to be. He's put the toes where they need to be. God has made up the church body very specifically, very detailed. He's put every one of us exactly where he wants us to be within the body of Christ. There's no mistake. You're exactly where God has placed you in the body of Christ. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. You're here for a reason. You're here as part of the local church body. You're not just here once a week to fill a seat for 60 to 90 minutes and away you go. God has placed you specifically, purposefully to fulfill a special function that nobody else can fill but you and you alone. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with, less, with special honor, and the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Do you have vital organs? Have you ever seen your vital organs? Like when we wake up in the morning, we walk, go to the mirror, we don't don't see our vital organs. Most of us have never seen our vital organs inside, right? But they're there. And why are vital organs inside? To protect them. Because they're vital, right? 
It's the same thing with the church. Some of the most key, important, vital parts of the church you don't really see. And so you are not necessarily called to be up front here like I am. I come up here and speak. I'm a more visible part of the church. Some of you have never come up here and spoke forth, and that's fine. But do not think that you're any less important to this body, this family of Auburn, because you're not a visual part of the ministry here or the body of Christ at large just because you're not visual, just because you're not on the promo cards or on the pamphlets. You actually are probably more vital to the body of Christ not being seen than those that are being seen in certain ways. So let me just give you an example. The pancreas. Everybody knows they have a pancreas, right? Right? You've heard that? Okay. Has anybody ever seen their pancreas? Have you ever talked to your pancreas? Hey, how are you doing today, pancreas? You know? Are you, are you working okay in there? No, right? But it quietly works away. Our pancreas is tucked deep in. It's kind of lodged behind the stomach. It, it's in front of the spine. Um, it's connected to the small intestines, and it's only about six inches long. It's not very big at all, but it's a very vital organ. One of the big purposes of the pancreas is to secrete hormones, and those hormones uh, do things like they control our, our blood uh, glucose levels, and by controlling that, it affects our liver, and it affects the small t- intestines. The, the hormones it secretes also affects digestion. How the nutrients that we take in are broken down and how they're used, it's all part of that. And what the pancreas is or isn't doing affects what the liver is or isn't doing, what the overall gi- digestion system, the large and small intestines are doing. It, it's very contributed to the absor- absorption of nutrients. But what if, what if you didn't have a pancreas? What if the doctor went and cut it out? Would that kill you? Well, not necessarily, but basically it would make you a, a diabetic and it would greatly affect your, um, your eating habits. You would have to greatly change and alter your nutrition and your eating habits to survive and to live without a pancreas. No other part in the body can do the job that the pancreas does. So it's very important to have a healthy pancreas. Otherwise, there's some major changes that have to happen in your life as a result of not having one. Unlike the knee, they can't make an artificial pancreas and stick it in. Verse 25. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. The parts in the body 
our physical body, they need to have concern. They need to work with each other to function properly. And that's exactly one of the things that Paul's trying to drive home here. We need to work together as a church family here at Auburn and also as part of the church body at large. We need to work together, work well, and be concerned about how the other parts are doing and work with them. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Both sides of the coin there. And I've seen that here in Auburn. And that's one of the things I greatly appreciate about so many people here is when we see somebody that's part of the Auburn family hurting, we hurt with them. And when somebody rejoices because of something great happens, we rejoice with them. It's one of the things I really have appreciated over our years here, uh, over our years here at Auburn Bible Chapel. <coughs> so if you have asked Christ into your heart, if you have asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you enter the church body at large, the body of Christ. And if you choose to come here to Auburn Bible Chapel, you are part of a smaller body, but you are part of the Auburn Bible Chapel body. And some of us, as I mentioned before, are very visible. We're, we're up front more. And some of you A lot of you are a lot less visible. But nobody should be elevated above another. And we should be eager and willing to work always together with one another, supporting each and other. You may say, well, I'm doing this and they're doing that and we really don't affect each other. That's that's not true. You may think that, but we're all one body and everything that we do affects everybody else. Verse 27. If you've got a pen, I encourage you to underline this in your Bible or highlight it if you've got your phone out. Now, Paul says, now, he's trying to grab your attention with that word now, You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. If you have asked Christ into your heart, if you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you are a part of it, and you're important, you're vital, you have a key role. Please don't miss that. Are you involved in the church body? Are you involved and active here at Auburn? Are you just a weekly seat warmer? You, you attend here, but it's like, well, okay, you're telling me I'm part of the church body, but I don't know what my function is. You know, I'm, I'm comfortable just, you know, just coming, showing up, quietly leaving, We want to encourage you 
to use your God-given talents. The Bible tells us everybody has a God-given talent. As I said, you've asked Christ into your heart. You're part of the body. God has given you a function and a role. And if you're not sure what that is, that's okay. Please, please talk to one of us in the leadership, one of the elders, one of the deacons with Pastor Al. We would love to come beside you and encourage you and walk with you to find out what your role is if you're not sure. Or maybe you're, maybe you're, feeling, you're, you're feeling tired and, 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 and run down and, and, you're a medical, and you're a part that needs some medical care. We're here for you also. Just let us know. We would love to walk with you and help you. But if you're just blatantly choosing not to serve any role, not to serve any function, that's not good for the overall body. Please think about, pray about the body of Christ at large as you make choices of serving and not serving. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a few weeks now, but I'm sure everybody is aware that uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away after a very long life. And I don't know about you, but I saw a lot of, a lot of postings about different uh, quotes uh, that the Queen had made over the years. And she was known as a very strong leader, but she was known as being active and she was recognized and thought a lot of because of her faith in God and Jesus Christ. What I want to read for you this morning is an excerpt from her Christmas address. I'm not sure if you're aware, but every Christmas she would do a Christmas address uh, to, the, to the British people. And in 2008, uh, she, uh, she spoke this this is a record of, her Christ, of part of her Christmas address in 2008. And she said, I hope that like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who often in circumstances of great adversity managed to live an outgoing, unselfish, and sacrificial life. Countless millions of people around the world continue to celebrate his birthday at Christmas. Inspired by his teaching, he makes it clear that genuine human happiness and sanctification lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than in being served. With that, we're going to do something a little different, and I'm going to, I'm going to call a couple people up here, and I'm going to ask them a couple questions, a little Q&A with a few people from our midst here. And um, by the draw of short straw, I'm going to ask my wife Esther to come up first. And be nice. The people I'm calling up, they do not normally come up on this stage. They, I will say, 
are not going to be comfortable doing this, but they have agreed to step out of their comfort zone uh, to help. Esther, first question. Very briefly, very distinct, would you just um, give a very brief description of how you ask Christ to be uh, your Lord and Savior? Well, um, is this on, Barry? Yep. Yeah. So when I was young, my parents divorced, and I was very much a daddy's girl, so my dad was gone. Um, and that affected me a lot, like it does for anyone. Um, but what drew me to God is that he would never leave me. And that's why he became my savior, because I knew I could trust him to be there always. Great. Thank you. Question two. Over the years, you've been uh, active here at Auburn, but other uh, churches that we attended over the years. Um, you've done, you know, Sunday school and, and nursery, um, you know, a, a number of different things. But this morning, I'd like you to talk a little bit about Operation Christmas Child. Um, way back when you, you know, how long you, you've been packing shoeboxes for, and uh, just uh, how you've seen uh, God work using uh, you in different ways with uh, Operation Christmas Child? Uh, so we got involved when our kids were little because as I don't know about your children, but my children thought they should get lots and lots and lots of stuff. And my response would be, we don't have money for that because it would be anything from, you know, anything. <laughs> <laughs> so we started shoeboxes with the idea of let's give another child a gift so that help encourage generosity and all those good things. Um, and so that helped that they, they all have done that. Um, but then we were able to um, expand that beyond our family when we came here to Peterborough um, to shoeboxes with the Peets and and then we also have gone on some trips, but one cool thing about that is it takes it out of just my house and helps other people come to realize, oh, there's kids that don't get gifts. Um, and when we went on trips, we actually, like God actually shifted my whole mindset to realize how beneficial and blessed our lives are here. Like it just helps to remind me that God has given us so much. And it just changes from the entitlement attitude that the Western society so blatantly pushes um, to realize how, how blessed that God has given us. The big things, the small things, and everything in between. Um, and being able to take it out of the church and help other people understand that you may not have that boat you really desire, but do you know what? God's given you a house you live in and food on the table. And God's given you so many more blessings. Um, it just blows your mind when my kids didn't like it because I'd be saying, that's the first world problem, you know, <laughs> when they didn't get the shoes they wanted or whatever. Um, but just seeing God work in in our lives, but also seeing how God brings all sorts of different people together to make major things happen. It's pretty cool. Thank you, Mr. Yeah, one of the 
really neat things about Operation Christmas Child is it takes a lot of small local church bodies to come together and work together for the church at large. Ruth, Ruth Bester, would you come up? And if you're nervous, you can look at me. You don't have to look at everybody else. Okay. Ruth, um, you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, several years ago. Could you just tell us briefly uh, how that took place? Okay. I was raised in a Christian home, and I don't think we ever missed a Sunday. Ever. <laughs> and so anyways, when I was about 18, I went to a David Wilkerson crusade here in Peterborough. And went forward and dedicated my life to Christ. And, and it was two years after that that I ended up coming to Auburn. And, and was even um, how do I, surprised and, and encouraged by the young people group that was here that I got involved with. And that just blew my mind that there was all these teenagers that were excited to study God's word. So. Great. That's wonderful. That was a few and years so, ago. <laughs> and we won't ask you how many no, years that no, was. No, <laughs> We won't be that rude. Um, but you've been here for a number of years, you and Ken and, and, and your family, and you've been involved in a, in a number of different ways, whether it was Sunday school or nursery. Um, but what I'd like you to just talk briefly about is your involvement with women in the Word and how you've seen that as a blessing um, and as a, uh, a vital work uh, of God here at Auburn. Okay. Um, first of all, when I came here, Women in the Word was already established and going, and it was it was amazing to be able to meet and fellowship with women and share um, in a smaller setting and and be free to to open up and 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 talk in small groups. And um, it, it's been interesting that every time there's been a study, and I think, oh, I don't know if I want to do that one. But it would always end up speaking to me as well. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you sure know how to get to a person. <laughs> and so it was, um, and then eventually I did get involved in, and, uh, in different capacities with Women in the Word. And, and it's just been such a blessing to be able to meet. And we're not all from Auburn. There's quite a few women from other churches or just from the community that have come too. And, it, and that is encouraging. Great. Thank you very much, Ruth. Barry, we're getting you on double duty here this morning. Barry Wakeford, if you would uh, come on up this morning. Thank you, Barry. And again, you. if you feel more comfortable looking at me, feel free. You don't have to look out at the crowd. Uh, so similar questions. Barry, um, you've given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, would you just tell us briefly uh, um, when that happened and, and how that happened? Well, I'd like to first say that I prefer behind the scenes, so I'm not one to be up here. <laughs> um, I was five years old. I was raised in the church. It was um, after a Sunday school lesson where the invitation was given. I didn't feel comfortable with it, but um, went home sometime that week. I remember actually going to my bedroom, and yeah, I made that decision. It hasn't been you know, where I've walked all my life. I have faded and slipped and slided and returned and uh, so yeah it's just a walk that uh, sometimes is really good and sometimes you struggle and uh, so yeah great 
So, yes, you, like Esther and Ruth, um, you know, you guys agreed to step out of your comfort zone and come up here. Thank you very much. Um, and like you said, you much uh, prefer to be behind the scenes. Um, you've been here at Auburn for a while, you and Janet and your, and your, uh, and your boys. And you've um, been part of the deacons. Uh, you've been part of the, the search uh, committee. You've been part of um, the AV uh, team. Um, but one thing that people may not know about you, uh, some would, is you're involved with Hockey Ministries International. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple years ago, you agreed to come and, and be a counselor at the, uh, the camp in Brantford, Ontario, mm -hmm. uh, along with myself and a few other people from Peterborough and in the Brantford area. Uh, could you just talk very briefly about uh, why you got involved with Hockey Ministries and how your involvement uh, with those camps uh, has been you know, just how you've seen God at work in, in the lives of the people there and, and maybe some blessings on yourself, just briefly. Sure, yeah. So um, Brian asked me a couple of years ago to join and I thought about it and prayed about it and agreed that uh, I love hockey and I tolerate kids. So I figured that it uh, would be a good fit. Um, what I find amazing there is most of the counselors and, and leader team actually are previous campers. They've come through. In fact, um, so I've been to two camps, bookend on uh, COVID. And um, the second year, Ed was another counselor that came back from being a, a, a camper and brought his son along. So it's encouraging to see kind of the repeat. What I find most amazing, um, and I'll just talk about the hats, because <laughs> every day you get a chance to nominate somebody to wear one of two hats. So the, the one hat is a trophy hat. So if you did something amazing on the ice or in some athletic event, um, you could be nominated to wear the, the, the trophy hat. And then the other one is the Squidward hat, which um, is an act of service. So if you've done something, somebody can nominate you for holding the door for everybody or cleaning up after uh, dinner, um, making sure somebody's got all their equipment put away properly, that type of thing. If, if it's been an act of service, you get nominated for that. The first of the week, everybody's kind of going for that trophy hat. I'm going to win the trophy hat. I'm going to, you know, watch me. To near the end of the week, they always seem to find somebody that's struggling, and they give him the hat. In fact, they give him both hats. <laughs> so it's encouraging. See that? Right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. So hopefully, um, having those people uh, up here, thank you again. Um, is giving you some real-life examples of uh, the church body in action here uh, at Auburn and also the church body at large and how the two aren't individual, but the many smaller church bodies make up the church body at large. And there are many different ways to get involved and to be vital parts and working, functioning, healthy parts of the church body. Paul wrote many letters to local churches, and we have them here in the Bible. And you can turn, if you want, to Second uh, Thessalonians, if you want, or you can just read. I'm just going to use uh, a verse to wrap up here this morning that, that Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica as he was finishing up the second letter here, as, as an encouragement to them, let me encourage you, let me challenge you 
uh, with this verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. We read, And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. And I'll read it one more time, and then I'll, come, then I'll sit down and let the worship team come up. 2 Thessalonians 3.13. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is right. Thank you.